0: The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Choose this day whom you will serve. Whether yourself or the Lord Give Him your heart His call you've heard Give it all to the Lord Choose this day whom you will serve Whether yourself or the Lord Give Him your heart His call you've heard Give it all to the Lord His steadfast love She's new.
1: Today's sermon is pre-recorded. The message is entitled, The Danger of Self-Love. The Danger of Self-Love. Oh Lord, I cannot speak this message in a way that will draw these men and women, boys and girls, into your heart. If your Holy Spirit is not now released to bring conviction, to bring revelation, to bring change. Oh Lord, would you do this in our hearts, in your mercy? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. The danger of self love. There's an old Greek. Mythology story about Narcissus. You recall he was shot by an arrow from Cupid's bow. And he was on his way to meet the beautiful princess. And of course, the first person he was to see would be the one he would fall in love with. And so he's on his way. But he gets thirsty he sees a beautiful pond of water across the way and he he thinks that would be a perfect place to get a drink and quench my thirst. And so off to the pond he went. He leaned over to get a refreshing cold drink of water and he caught sight of himself in the lake's face. And of course, he fell in love with himself. This is without a doubt the greatest hindrance to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. There is nothing else that even begins to compare to this danger. For when we fall in love with ourselves, the world must revolve around us. Note in the program tonight, on page 2, All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. And everything in self-love rises up and says, Who do you think you're kidding? I'm not surrendering anything. If you'll help me get what I want, I'll follow you, Jesus. But if you don't, I'll get another golden calf set up. It says, all to Jesus I surrender. Humbly at his feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken. Take me, Jesus, take me now. Are you kidding? Self-love says not even a chance of that happening. Unless you first, Jesus, come down and bow at my feet. And if you'll bow at my feet, I'll deign to bow at your feet if it pleases me. All to Jesus I surrender. Now I feel the sacred flame. Do you feel the sacred flame tonight in your heart? If you don't, it's because you have not yet surrendered all to Jesus. Because self-love rises up in your heart. And you've laid down conditions upon which you will serve and follow Jesus Christ. And if he does not meet those conditions, you'll find a God who will meet them for you. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. That sounds wonderful. But then comes the tough part. Melt me? Do you know the only way you can be melted is to be put in the fire? And you know what I've been saying to the Lord? I've had enough of this fire. Haven't I done what you asked me to do? And here I am in barrenness. Melt me. Did you say, Ray, melt me? Where do you think you melt except in the cooking pot? You don't melt anywhere else. I want to chill. Notice it does not say, chill me. It doesn't say chill me, it says melt me. I don't want to melt Jesus if the heat's too hot. After all, I've got a life to live. Melt me? Mold me? There's only one way you can be molded. And that's if you're soft. But if rebellion has risen up in your heart, you're hard and you're brittle. And there's no way you can be molded. Fill me? Wait a minute, to fill you means there can't be any cracks. You know, insincerity is literally saying, with cracks. An insincere pot is a cracked pot, and it has wax filling in the cracks until you put it on the heat, and then the wax melts out, and what's inside the pot leaks out. Is what Jesus is putting into your heart leaking out because you're an insincere pot? I mean, tonight we sang, all of us sang, melt me, mold me, fill me. After the fire, after the molding, after the filling, then it says, now use me. Hey, I'd say that's pretty good theology, but I don't like it. How about using me just the way I am, Jesus? How about just using me the way I am? Why do I have to go through this? Can't I have it my way? Change my heart, O God. Change my heart? I don't want my heart changed. I want my heart comforted. Do you want your heart changed? Or do you want it comforted? Do you want to be told there, there, it's going to get better? I'm telling you now, it's going to get worse. Because the fire is going to get hotter... And the scriptures tell us that God took the children of Israel and he put them in the fire. And he burned it as hot as he could burn it. And they would not melt. And so he threw them out as useless dross. Regardless of the heat of the fire that God puts us in, we still can rebel against that melting process. We can grab a hold of our humanistic self-love and say, where there's a will, there's a way. I'm going to make it through this deal, and I'm not going to surrender. I'm not going to just lay it down. I'm not going to just weep before God. I'm not going to let him have his way unless it's my way. It's a lot easier to just get depressed. Depression is one of Christians' favorite medications. It's an antibiotic against the gospel of Jesus Christ. Discouragement is another one of those antibiotics against Jesus. It kills the spirit. Those things that we do to give ourselves a modicum of comfort kill the spirit of God. And so, okay, let's see. I've got to work because I have to make money. I've got to take care of the home things because that's my responsibility. Over here, I have a few things that are just mine that are fun because a man has to have some place to just let down and relax. So I've got my duty, I've got my obligations, and I've got my very small packet of survival fun things it might be just that can kind of soda if i can just have a can of soda on the way back or beer if i can just have my my music i can make it if i can just have my music i can make it if i can just come home get a shower and put on the kinds of clothes that make me feel like I've done something worthwhile. I can make it. I don't know how you medicate yourself. But all of those things are antibiotics against Jesus Christ. You see, the danger of self-love is that the whole world is about us and not Jesus Christ. The whole world moves around me, not Jesus Christ. So when I talk, what do I talk about? I talk about my issues. I talk about my drama. I talk about my victories. I talk about my successes. I talk about my deal. Because after all, it's about me. It's about mine. So if you don't want to talk about my deal and my thing, I'm going to move on from you and find somebody who will listen to me talk about my stuff. You ever talk to somebody and you get a sense as you're talking to them that they're not even listening to you. They're waiting for a chance to get back in the conversation so they can talk about their deal. And then as soon as they're done, you want to change the subject and get right back to your deal. Self-love. This is a curse in the body of Christ. This is a curse in America that is particularly American. I watched today a young lady came into the dental office with her mother. She was dressed in the most risque style of the modern college student, with her dress hanging down below her hips, with a little tiny black top showing skin all the way around. And she came sashaying in, making sure that she made the entrance. She sat down and began to discuss in an animated way with her mother the classes that she was lining up for college this fall. And her mother engaged with her as though this young lady were just the apple of her eye. I looked at Jan and I said, sweetie, that girl, she doesn't have even the slightest concept of how to make enough money to pay for this dental visit. She doesn't have any idea what it costs to go out and earn the money to buy the shabby clothes she's wearing. She has no concept of what it takes to make the world go round. And this young, smart-aleck kid thinks she's got the world by the tail and that she's going to make it work according to her schedule and her way. She doesn't have any idea about who God is. She was her own God. She was the goddess Diana, and she expected everyone to bow humbly at her feet, and her mom obliged terrifies me the love of self that is so rampant in every corner of our culture there was a time when i grew up when pride was considered a horrible sin pride was considered to be despicable but now pride is viewed as a virtue in our culture high self esteem but for the christian we're called to no longer esteem ourselves but to esteem jesus christ we're called to go totally contrary to the culture we're to take a position that says i'm not interested in success i'm interested in jesus i'm not interested in security I'm interested in Jesus. I'm not interested in making my family happy or my children happy. I'm interested in Jesus. It's a whole different mindset. It's simply unlike anything we're seeing around us. So tonight I wonder, do you recognize in your own life the infection of self-love that has set in? And that has grown increasingly larger in your life? As you have tried to shape your relationships with others in terms of what they can do for you? The kids, how they can please you? The job, how it can serve you? Have you noticed how you have crafted your relationships? with people so that they say things to you that you like, that you appreciate? When someone says something to you that is of a kind and gentle nature, do you blossom? Have you ever sat in front of the television and seen someone receive great accolades and affirmation for a great accomplishment and you're so uncomfortable with that, you have to get up and leave the room because your heart is so hungry to accomplish, to be somebody, to be noticed, to be needed, to be loved. There's a hole in your heart, a truck could be driven through. This self-love ravishes us. Social scientists tell us that when a group of people gather together in one place, there is always one question that is predominant. And that is, who will be the greatest among us? And the second most dominant question in people's minds, as they have researched it, is, is there a place for me here? Will these people accept me? Will I be loved here? Can I make a contribution here? No social scientist has ever done a research uh, test in America and had the result come out. The number one issue that these people have when they come together is, how can I serve? How can I be nobody here and let Jesus be somebody? We don't think that way. It's foreign to us. Now, this issue didn't start with us. It was also in the church at Corinth. The church at Corinth mirrors American culture. Our prosperity, our lust for things, our love of the great goddess, Oprah Winfrey or Diana, our, our cultures are very similar. And so, Paul, in the book of Corinthians, begins to address this. I want to share this with you. In verse 17 of chapter 11, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 17, in the following directions, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. Your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. Divisions between one brother and another brother, one sister and another sister. And the reason there are divisions is because there is self-love in the heart, not self-sacrifice. And the call of the Spirit on the National Prayer Chapel is to break down every division that would rise up between families or between individual members, to break those walls down of self-love so that what is viewed is the face of the Lord Jesus Christ in service to one another. Verse 19, no doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. When you come together, is it not the Lord's Supper you eat? For as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. Well, what he's talking about was the custom that came out of the Acts church of having a a love feast together or a meal together before the serving of the communion. The the cup and the bread was a part of the Passover meal. And Jesus took the last cup of the Passover meal and blessed that cup and said, this is the blood of the new covenant. So their orientation coming out of that Jewish culture, culture was to eat a meal together, and then after the meal, have the communion. But now it had changed in this Gentile atmosphere, and they were coming together and bringing their bag lunches. And some people were very poor and didn't have the food to eat. And so you would have the rich and the wealthy spreading a tailgate party that would beat all parties. While others sat with a little brown paper bag and had some crackers or nothing at all. And Paul's saying, what are you doing? How have these divisions come up between you? Sometimes I think there's more brotherhood in the mafia than in the body of Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? In the body of Christ, when we come together, it's not the wicked impulses of self-love that bind us together. It's the sacrificial love for Jesus Christ. That's what binds us together. That's what is the glue that holds this fellowship together, is that we want to be like Jesus. Well, let me go on this is first corinthians the 11th chapter verse 23 for i received from the lord what i passed on to you he's saying jesus specifically told me what he did and i'm going to tell you what he shared with me the lord jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks He broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Oh, how I wish he had not said that. How I wish he had said, You proclaim the Lord's life until he comes. But it would have been false. For Jesus went to a cross, not to a throne. We're called likewise to go to that cross and to get off our thrones. Now, when I was a kid, my dad drove a, a massive tractor called a Massey. And he would go out and put a chain around a stump. And he'd gear that tractor down. And he'd edge that chain out. And then he would give it the, the gas. That tractor, he loved to hear tractors talk. So he always took the mufflers off. The black smoke would pour out of that tractor. Every nerve and fiber, it seemed, was about to break open. And that tractor would just lunge finally. And that stump would just come flying out of there. And he would always laugh. He loved pulling stumps with that tractor. The Lord God of heaven is trying to get a chain around your life. And he's been putting the gas on pretty good. And he's been trying to pull you up out of there. Because it's death, not life, that brings victory to the Christian. It's death, not life, that brings victory. There can be no resurrection until there is first a death. We don't like the death part. But the death part leads to a resurrection. Watch. Therefore, verse 27 whoever eats this bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak, sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep or died. Whoa, wait a minute. What's he saying? He's saying if you take the communion in an unworthy manner, you may die. And traditionally, we have interpreted that as examine your life to see if there's any sin in your heart. That's not what the passage of Scripture says. The Scripture says, look at yourself in reference to the body of Christ. And if you have not considered the body of Christ, don't take communion because you may die. What's he saying? He's saying, if your frame of reference is still your own life, if what causes you to be moved with compassion is your own struggle, if reality circles about you instead of the body of Jesus Christ, then if you take communion, you may die. I don't know about you, but this is terrifying for me. This challenges everything I've been taught as an American. Now, in every action that I take, I must ask the question how does this impact the body of Jesus? How does this impact the kingdom of Jesus Christ? My whole frame of reference is not now, what do I want? It's what does Jesus want? It's not, how do I want my wife to act? It's how does Jesus want my wife to act? Well, you know, my wife, I just wish she'd behave herself. I wish she'd respect me the way I want to be respected. I wish she would support me the way I want to be supported. I wish she'd do this. I wish she'd do that. If my wife would just... What? That says that the universe circles around me, and I expect my wife to be one of the constellations moving around me in the brilliance of my sunshine. Or wives... Do you expect your husband to be that constellation that circles you? Do you expect your children to be those constellations that, that circle you and live in the brilliant glory of your wisdom? Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Paul is warning the Corinthian church Don't imagine that the world circles around you and that it will only survive if you have the brilliance of your wisdom to pour forth upon it. He's saying, you're eating the body of Jesus in an unworthy manner if you have not considered his body. If you have not counted the cost of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and to walk in that humbly before the Lord. You've not considered the body. Notice next time you begin to pray. What's the proportion of time spent praying for you versus the time spent praying for your husband, or your wife, or your children, or the National Prayer Chapel, or Living Water Radio, or... W.A.V.A., Washington, D.C. Take an inventory of your thoughts as you go through the day. What are the reoccurring thoughts that keep coming back to your heart? Do they consider your situation? Your accomplishments? Your failures? Or do they consider Jesus Christ? His accomplishments? His work on the cross. What is it tonight? Have you been infected? Are you dying with the disease of self-love? Agonizing in your heart with self-love. While those around you are dying because you have no love to share. You only have judgment to share. And drama, sometimes Jan and I will walk away from a a counseling situation, and we'll say, "It was entertaining. You know what we mean, what we mean by that? There was great drama. It could be put on stage. I mean, what is drama, but humor? and tragedy. What would happen tonight if I ran a film of your life today? Was it filled with drama? Your drama? Have you spent this day feeling sorry for yourself? Or have you spent this day as a living sacrifice on the altar of God being concerned about the heart of God and concerned about what He wants to do. Is the fire too hot? Do you want God to chill it for you? I want God to chill my fire. And when I ask Him, He turns it up. I praise Him. I want to get through. I want the glazing process to be finished on my heart. I don't know if Jesus will set me up on a shelf and say, you just need to be on the shelf, or if he'll use me as a worthy vessel. That's his choice. I want my choice to be Jesus. I want my choice to be, oh Lord, have your way no matter what it costs, no matter what the pain, have your way. I desire your way. Now, if you just turn the page to the 12th chapter, verse 7. Now, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Let's say I come to the Lord God of heaven and I say, Spirit of the living God, would you manifest yourself for me? He is going to ask me a question. Is this manifestation? Is this answer to prayer? Is this for your good? Or for the common good? Is this for your heart? Or is this from my heart? I've had people say to me, Pastor, God doesn't talk to me. Then you're talking to God about the wrong things. If God doesn't answer you, try changing what you're talking to him about. He'll answer if you talk about his topic. But but pastor, I have this issue, and I have to get this issue settled. Well, try telling God that. God is the one who sets the agenda of the conversation. I tell you, it's very hard to hear God talk when God's not talking. Very hard to hear God talk when God's not talking. And God's not talking if it's not for the common good. If it's my self-love narcissism that wants to hear, he's just going to turn the fire up on me. Now, please understand, I'm preaching to me tonight. And I frankly don't like the sermon. You know why, don't you? Because I am sick, sick, sick of being barren. I cry out to the Lord and say, I can't stand this barrenness anymore. And he says to me, is this for your good or the common good? Now he won't speak again until I've answered that question. If it's for my good, I'm just trying to use God and we don't use god he uses us he's the creator i'm the creature he's god i'm servant he's master he's lord i'm servant to one there is given through the spirit the message of wisdom to another the message of knowledge By means of the same spirit. Well, wait a minute. I'm hearing something that already makes me uncomfortable. Are you? I'm hearing that he's going to give one brother or sister wisdom. He's going to give to another brother or sister knowledge. He's going to give to another faith. He's going to give to another the gift of healing. That sounds suspiciously as though I'm not going to get all the gifts. And believe me, I want all the gifts so I can be self-contained. If I have to come to you for wisdom, I have to humble my heart. I can't rebel against your wisdom. And believe me, the last thing I want to do is come to another person and say, could you please talk to me about this issue? I'm just not able to get through it. I need your wisdom. What? I'm the paragon of wisdom in this house. No. That's not how the Spirit works. Notice, to another, miraculous powers. Now, now, wait a minute. I want the wisdom, Jesus. I want the knowledge. I want the faith. And I want the miraculous powers. And would you please add to that prophecy? Would you also add distinguishing between spirits? And, I'll, yeah, give me discernment, too. He doesn't do that. To each he gives a gift, as he chooses. So if we're not talking to each other, we don't get the benefit of the people who have wisdom among us. If we're not talking to each other, we don't gain the benefit of the word of knowledge from one another. if we're not talking to one another, the gift of healing is not exercised. The gift of prophecy is not exercised. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, verse 11. And he gives them to each one just as he determines, not for my good or your good, but for the common good. The body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts, And though all the parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say to the hand, because I'm a hand, I do not belong to the body. Would it? it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. I mean, what would have happened tonight as I was planning to come here and speak the word God had put in my heart if my eyes had said, Ray, you can go if you want, but I'm not going. Just put me on the shelf in the closet. What would happen What if my hand had said, you know, I don't like what's happening here. I think I'm going to just go join Sandy over there. What would happen? Cut my hand off and give it to Sandy. What would that hand be? Lifeless. It would begin to rot and it would be put in the ground and I would bleed to death. In other words... Paul is trying to say to us, consider the body. Get out beyond your issue and recognize that it's not about your issue. It's about the common good of the body of Jesus Christ. So if Pastor Jan and I begin to have a marriage struggle, we can go to a counselor and we can say to a counselor, look, we're having these issues between us. Could you help us talk through these issues? Counselors are happy to do that for $125 for 55 minutes. They'll want you to come every week, maybe twice a week. And what will come out of it? Well, what will come out of it is you might learn how to cope a little bit better with each other and each get a little bit more of what you want. So that you can love yourselves. so that Jan doesn't get in the way of my loving me. Yes, Ray, you're right. You need a night out with the guys at least once a week. Yes, Ray, you need to have this amount of money in your pocket. Just for mad money. Yes, Ray, okay, I agree. I won't insist that you help me in the kitchen anymore. Well, and I can come back and, Do the same thing back with Jan. Have our hearts been knit together? Have we come into unity one with another? No. All we've done is create a humanistic safe haven for self-love. We're no closer to the kingdom of God. All we've done is make space for our flesh. Now, on the other hand if we have issues between us and we both look at each other and say, I think we both just need to die. Let's lay this down. And from now on, Jan, I'm going to find every way possible to serve you and help you. And she says, and I'm going to find every way possible to serve you and help you. Suddenly, we're in a totally different marriage. Now, Jan's heart is not To have her self-love. Now her heart is to have a love for her husband. And her husband has a love for her. Now it's easy if it works both ways. Where it gets tough is where one person wants the self-love and the other person just wants to love them and they say, bring it on, just keep loving me. And that's when you've got to ask Jesus to turn the fire up under them. And he will but you can't change them. I learned there was only one way to change another person. Change myself. And when the vacuum was created, they had to change because I was gone. I was changed. This is what Jesus is trying to do with us in the world. He wants a body of people who have been changed, who have been transformed, who are now walking in the likeness of himself. Jesus' people, if you please, who have quit sin. Once and for all, they've quit sin. They've laid aside this ugly self-love, and their only heart is now, how can I be like Jesus? How can I walk like Jesus? Their stomach is no longer their God. They don't now consider their things first. They consider the things of God first. They consider the other person first. How is it with your heart tonight? Do you have the disease of self-love? Or has it been broken in your heart by the blood of Jesus Christ? Have you made the transition yet to that joyous, awesome place where you walk through the fire? and there's not even a scent of smoke upon you where you walk with Jesus it doesn't matter what anybody else says it doesn't matter what anyone else does it only matters that your eyes are on Jesus you're no longer going to think first of yourself and your concerns and your issues you have no issues because dead men have no issues. Dead women have no issues. They only have a grave site. Now how do we die? We die by considering one another ahead of ourselves. We die in the flesh by putting others ahead of us. And it's a process that we do over and over, and over, and over. We do it with our money. We do it with our time. We do it with our energy. We do it with our thoughts. We put others ahead of ourselves. Stand at the door of the post office one day, and just hold the door for people as they walk through. Notice their expressions. I've done it several times, and you know one of the most awesome things that has happened? Somebody's finally come along who has said, could I hold it for a while? Isn't that awesome? See, that's the process of evangelism where we've let go of ourselves and the infectious joy of the spirit rises up in our heart. We're no longer trying to survive. We're trying instead to help others survive. We're trying to reach out and touch the lives of other people in the name of Jesus. And self-concern is put away. Now, I have to say again the same thing I spoke at the beginning Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. The first thing he does is melt me. You say, Holy Spirit, come. He says, okay, turn the fire on, boys. It's a fire. Mold me. Fill me. And then use me. Do you have a raging abscess in your life? Self-love. Is your time, your concern, your drama all centered around you and making sure that you're taken care of? Or have you looked beyond that to the word of Jesus when he spoke in Matthew 16, verse 24? Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, He must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or, what can a man gain in exchange for his soul for the Son of Man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done? I tell you the truth; some are standing here, will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom, O oh Lord, O oh Lord. I can't begin to break the power of self-love. But I ask you to do it. And Jesus, I choose to deliberately take actions that mortifies my flesh and lifts up my brother and my sister for the common good. Lord, I ask you to forgive me tonight for every self-sympathizing thought and feeling I ask you to forgive me, Jesus, for thinking about my good instead of your good. Oh, Lord, shoot me with your arrows. Lord, fill me with love for you. Let my love be hot and passionate, even though I know that only comes out of the fire of affliction. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. Come visit us. I love you, my brother, my sister. I'll talk to you soon.
0: With great joy. And to present you blameless Before the presence of His glory